Good morning, Big Apple Church. It is, uh, it's great to be with you. I really appreciate uh, Ross's uh, uh, introduction of us. We got to have dinner with Ross and Manami on Friday night and the kids. And man, that is a party over at the Lippincott House. Good, a good time together. We're really grateful to be here with you, especially today talking about special missions. We are so grateful for the support of the New York City Church and all that you guys do uh, just in general, for our family of churches, loving people in the Caribbean and West Africa, uh, but also your brothers and sisters in upstate. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty emotional. I was telling my, my wife, Shyla, as I uh, came up here, just thinking about the gratitude we have for all that you do. And you live in an amazing city. We have enjoyed the day yesterday in New York City. You, you guys are some tough people. You're resilient. You're on the trains. You're on the buses. You're trying to get through. And how do we, should I cross right now or not? I don't know. You guys are really tough. I'll tell you, yesterday, Charlotte and I got a, just, just a, a snapshot of how tough New Yorkers are. We, uh, we were able yesterday morning to, um, uh, to go and see the movie Avengers Endgame. And not, not one person got up to go to the bathroom. Everyone sat through the, the whole three together. You guys are something else. We love John and Arlene. We actually have been able to build a friendship with them over the last, I don't know, maybe nine or ten years. We, we got to meet them in, uh, in Orlando and then some time in Athens. And uh, we love connecting to them. Of course, uh, Arlene and Shyla, beautiful Latina women. And John and I, just along for the ride, just hanging out. We build a friendship, <laughs> build a friendship over that. So that's been great. I do want to give you greetings as well from not just the church in Syracuse, but your brothers and sisters in Syracuse. And uh, we are so glad to be here. This is a, a picture from our apple picking service. Every fall on a Sunday, we actually go out and sing some songs and have communion and just enjoy the day together up in central New York. And apple picking, you cannot go wrong uh, up in, uh, in central New York. We, we love it. But of course, we come to New York City. We also see a lot of uh, familiar faces. Uh, we are excited uh, in Manhattan to know uh, Bria and, and Chanel are over here with you guys. And uh, we got some sisters that uh, you saw one in the missions video. Uh, they're actually twins. You may have just seen the other one. I don't know. Sometimes they might play tricks like that. But Kende and Taiwo over in, uh, in Brooklyn and in Westchester, we have Dominique and, and Central Jersey all the way over from Central Jersey. Dania has joined us this morning. We're so grateful. To have her with us. And even in Long Island, we have a couple, Kim and Juan, who are trying to make it this morning. But they also, where are they? Oh, okay, amen. Right in the lights where you can't see them. And, uh, and their baby, Mia. We're excited. Oh, I'm so fired up that you guys are here this morning. That's awesome. And there's some more folks. Maybe you were from Syracuse or got converted, uh, converted there, but we haven't met you yet. But my name is J.C. Smith, and this is my gorgeous and talented wife. Shyla, and uh, these are our two sons, Juan and Mario, and uh, the picture, I almost have to cut off their heads because uh, I am the shortest one in the family. <laughs> My wife is about three inches taller than me, and the boys are quite a few inches more taller. It's always funny because people will ask, like, how do you feel about that? I'm like, how... I, I think people think I should feel in some way insecure. And I'm like, my, my sons are going to contend with their enemies at the gate. That's what it says in <laughs> Psalm 127. And my wife is, is I, people like to go to Proverbs 31. I, I love that one. But my wife is a song of songs, chapter two, verse two. Like a lily among the thorns is my darling among the maidens. I couldn't be more excited about her. And we are leading the church in Syracuse and and our diamond of central New York is the campus ministry at Syracuse University. Uh, go Orange, I heard somebody say it. And uh, 
Uh, we just love being up there. Central New York has about a half million people. I know for you guys, that's not too much. Well, we have 35,000 college students and just over 20,000 of those are at SU. And this morning, we're going to be talking a little bit about our spiritual journey. Uh, we appreciate all the special missions giving. Please do pray for not just the church in Syracuse, but for the work to people become disciples. And pray for my wife and I. You know, we are on a spiritual journey. And we're going to preach the word a little bit and talk about that as you get to know us. But also I want to talk about not just our spiritual journey, but our spiritual journey. It's been said that we are not human beings on a spiritual journey. We're spiritual beings on a human journey. And when you are born into this life... Your soul is on a destination of eternity. And so you may think that you're living this and trying to be a little bit spiritual, but your soul is spiritual and eternal. And where you go on this human journey makes an incredible difference. And so I have three points this morning. And Ross told me I could take a couple of hours. He said John likes it to go long. (laughs) I'm just joking. We're going to talk about a spiritual journey. How did we get here? Where are we now and where are we going? If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. Or if you'll trust my PowerPoint slide, I have it right up here for you. Verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and he bought it. Verse 45, again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. You know, if you've been a disciple more than five minutes, you've heard this parable. And this is the fourth of seven parables about the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 13. And this one talks about the value of the kingdom of heaven. Compared to treasure that's hidden in a field, the man didn't just go get the treasure, but bought the entire field so that he could have the treasure and not have to share it with anyone. He stumbled upon it and found this treasure. Verse 45 talks about the merchant, the buyer and seller of things who knows value when he finds the most valuable things. And he goes and he sells everything he has just to get that one treasure. That's how my wife and I got here. How about you? We stumbled upon this treasure, even even while we we were searching, we were spiritually searching, but we found it. Jesus, God's treasure, his kingdom, his people, his reign. And when someone presented it to us, we said, we'll give up anything, we'll go anywhere, we'll do whatever it takes for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is Lord. And that opened the door, not just to his dominion, but also to all of his Blessings in our personal lives, in our marriage, and in our family. And where did we find it? Well, for my wife and I, as Ross talked about, we found it in Naples, Italy. Yeah. Naples, Italy. If you were to look on Disciples Today, by the way, if you're ever looking for a church, go to Disciples Today. They have a church locator. And if you want to know, is there a church in Naples, Italy? They'll bring up a map and show you that there's not a church in Naples, Italy. And indeed, when my wife and I became disciples in Naples, Italy, there was not a church in Naples, Italy in 1997, 22 years ago. Been disciples 22 years and married for 24 years. You can do the math and ask about our dating relationship later. 
But when you look at this picture right here, this is a, that was our church, not quite the New York Times Center. And this, this lanky, handsome brother, Rod Ford, led the group there. He was a family group leader who had never, ever been a family group leader. He was serving in the role of an evangelist who had never, ever been appointed an evangelist. But Rod and his wife, Diane, knew that as disciples of Jesus, they were called to go wherever they went and make disciples of Jesus. He was in the Navy, and so he went some other places. And here my wife and I sit in Manhattan, New York, so grateful to stumble upon the kingdom of heaven. My wife's going to share a little bit about that. Come on, Shiloh. Good morning. Um, This picture of these disciples, it just really moves my heart. Um, These disciples were mostly connected to the military or married to someone in the military, came from Jacksonville, Virginia, even some bases in London. And they found each other in Naples, Italy. They met in apartments every Sunday, a different home, um, sang some songs, had a meal, and had communion. They were truly seeking the kingdom first. My neighbor who was studying uh, the Bible, her name was Cricket, and um, she introduced me to this group of disciples. And um, it was just kind of strange to like meet in a random home each Sunday, but I felt, like JC said, there's, there was no evangelist, you know, there was no trained person, there was no Wendy and Rebecca and this drummer chick back there who was just rocking awesome. <laughs> awesome. Come on, Celeste. We didn't have any of that, you know, and um, actually I was telling Rebecca on the side when you started singing Great Among the Nations and the band dropped out, I just started crying. You guys don't realize what you have in a big church when you worship in a group of nine and you're here. The first time I went to a big church, I just lost my mind. I, I was crying so hard, but it was a no frills, all heart church. They reached out to us. And uh, asked us to study the Bible, and I said no. Um, But they loved us, and they became great friends of ours. After we were there for about a year, JC um, came down, and we figured out he had cancer. And it threatened our fertility. It was a very scary time. We thought we may never have children. Um, And because I was in the military, we went to Germany, and he had surgery there. We went to D.C. He had radiation therapy. We were gone for a few months. Um, that was December of 96. I think we were back in Italy, February of 97. But I remember when the night before his surgery, I, I looked at JC and I said, the moment I get back to Naples, I'm going to study with those women who've been asking me to study the Bible. And I knew in my heart I was going to do it. Um, and after that time away, um, uh, you know, we came back and it was over the Christmas holidays. I had a Christmas tree up and my decorations when I came back. I don't know how the disciples got my key or whatever, but they they took down my tree, they put down the decorations, they cleaned out my fridge, they put fresh food. We had not studied once. They were just our friends. Um, Seeing JC go through through cancer, it it absolutely rocked my world. It scared me. And um, when I came back and started studying the Bible, I was just so eager to know God and do what was right before God and, and just show my gratitude for the cross. And I'll never, uh, ever forget just that time and um, the, the hearts of people there and being on a mission. I was actually baptized May the 4th, 1997. And yes, we've been Christians 22 years. It's awesome. 
I love, uh, I love going through these pictures and looking at when we first became disciples of Jesus. Um, wow, I miss that guy. He was awesome. Uh, run two miles in like 12 minutes. So, amen, amen. Keep going. You know, we got pictures, but in your mind, in your heart, do you have a snapshot of where you came from? Do you, do you remember where your life was when you stumbled upon the kingdom of heaven? Or maybe you were searching and do you remember how excited you were when you found it? You know, if you're a disciple, this is the most valuable place you will ever be. And it's true that nothing, there's no sacrifice that's ever been too much. It's good to remember that because it keeps our hearts soft before the Lord. Looking back at pictures, maybe you had a quiet time journal, or just sitting and remembering and reflecting on it, even as you take Communion later on today. You know, maybe you heard all this before, like, man, you, you become a Christian, you give up everything and, and you just got to go and do it. And there's and you got to sacrifice. Remember that? I'm sure we've all heard that. I read something recently, though, it's like, man, this this makes a little bit more sense than that in terms of the gospel and what we know about God and who Jesus is. There's a fairly popular, famous, not popular, but well-known theologian. That's a better word. Well-known <laughs> D.A. Carson. And he's like, who is this man that, that stumbled onto something in the field? Who is the merchant there? I don't know what you sacrificed when you gave up and, and you repented and you became a disciple of Jesus. But was it really enough for you to get back what you received from Jesus, the, the, the family you have, the salvation that's promised for your eternity? And D.A. Carson asked this question. Couldn't it be that Jesus is actually the man in the field? Couldn't it be that Jesus is the merchant? And if you go back and look at the kingdom of heaven parables, you're like, wait, there's some of them that say specifically the man was uh, God. The man was the son of man there. Think about it, because Jesus is the only one who has enough to purchase all of this. You don't. I don't care what you gave up or what you think you gave up. You ain't got enough. We can't do it. Only the son of God's death on the cross was enough to buy what we have. And if you think about that, it doesn't relinquish our our uh, need to sacrifice and to give up and to give everything. It magnifies it because God loved us so much that he allowed his son to die for us. I mean, what does the scripture say? In verse 44, it says in his joy, he went out and sold all he had and he bought that field. What did Jesus do in his joy His thinking about joy. He endured the cross for us. If you're visiting today, maybe you stumbled across someone who wants to study the Bible with you. Let me encourage you to do it. Let me encourage you to do it because it opens up things in your life. You never would have imagined some great things and some hard things that you need to think about. They're going to help you to open up the treasure box. This is. This is God's treasure box right here. You're going to have some great friends and you're going to have some great prayers and some great great time singing and worshiping. But this is going to give you something for your life that you've never had before. And every single person in here has the same access to it. We were purchased at an incredible price. We didn't have enough, but Jesus did. Maybe you're you're a disciple who feels like, man, it was hard to come to church today. Maybe you're at some meetings of the body sometimes, and maybe you've really, maybe you've really not thought about how valuable the kingdom of heaven is. Let me challenge you to never give up. 
the cheap trinkets that you had when you thought you were giving up everything are nothing compared to what God gave for you. And he won't give up on you. Absolutely. You know, we all know the right things. Yeah, Jesus should be our treasure and he should be our pearl of great price. But I don't ever want you to forget that it's Jesus who gave everything. And he's worth you sticking around for. And he's worth you getting open with someone for. And he's worth you giving everything for. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whatever sin you're in, it's no... It's probably not worse than what you were in before. Maybe it is. But while you were still sinner, before you ever opened the Bible, Jesus died for you. And the only reason we can love in 1 John 4, 19 is because he first loved us. He still loves you. Remember where you came from. Naples was an incredible time. And uh, as disciples, we uh, we really enjoyed it there. And the church grew from about nine to uh, it, it doubled there. And then it more than doubled. And that was awesome. And. And Shyla and I got invited to London, England, and so we spent some time there, went on staff, and I was appointed evangelist, and Shyla, women's ministry leader, and uh, we led there, and then in a small town in Southampton, our son Juan was born 17 years ago, that's, that's a while, he's graduating high school soon, that's, uh, that's a whole different set of emotions that go along with that. And then eventually we found ourselves in Tampa, where we served as, well, I was a deacon in Tampa, and then I went back on staff and was an evangelist in Tampa as well with a, a great brother named Jeff Chacon. Some of you may know him and uh, got trained by him to do some things. It's funny, when I, when I got there in Tampa and was talking to Jeff, I said, bro, I just love your life. I love the way you think. I love your family. I want to learn everything I can from you. And I said, I don't... I don't really want to do campus ministry, but I'll do that if if that's what you need. I don't want to do youth and family, but I'll do that if that's what you need. What I want to learn from you is how to lead a church. And at the time, I was about four years into a doctoral program in school psychology. And I left so that I could go back into the ministry in Tampa. I tell you, it was a great situation. We saw the church there grow and the campus ministry started growing again. And uh, we had a group out in uh, Clearwater in Pinellas County, Florida, that was growing. And man, it was it was a beautiful thing. It was it was nice. It was safe. Things were growing. Our, Our lives were secure. But around the middle of 2014, I got drawn to this verse, Matthew chapter six, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, verses 25 through 32, talk about talk about all the things that every person worries about. Like, what are we going to what are we going to eat? Are we going to have enough for clothes? Can we make the rent? Can we make the car payment? All those kinds of things. And verse 33 says, all you really need is to seek first the kingdom and all that other stuff will fall right in line. But if you're honest Even if you feel like you're doing well spiritually, the spiritual Christian life is a battle. It's a battle. And Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 is kind of the answer there. You know, in verse 24 there of Matthew chapter 6, it says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money is the ultimate security in this world. I mean, you can say job, uh, you, you can say gig, you can say family, but it takes money to operate things in this world. How do we tip the scales of battle between God and money? 
in our minds, in our hearts, and in our lives, and in our wallets, seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. God is beyond money. Money's only good if it serves His kingdom in a bunch of different ways. We're talking about special missions that really serves God. It's so great, the video they have there of all the people and the places that are impacted by the finances you give for special missions. Thank you so much. But what do we learn from Matthew 6, 33? I, I need to set apart Jesus as Lord. He's got to be first in everything. But also, I'm called to love others enough to encourage them to bow down to King Jesus so that they can receive this treasure and they can have this pearl of great value. It's not unspiritual to have comfort and security. But it is unspiritual to put our faith and our hope and our future in those things. Those cannot be our security. God says, I must be your security. That is the message of the Old Testament. And yet they continuously gave that up so they could have what everyone else has. Where are we right now? This idea of the kingdom in our lives in 2015 just kept coming up and Tampa was great. We were happy. The ministry was growing. That was our Christmas picture from around the end of 2014. A nice, beautiful, you need to do that when you live in Florida. You take your Christmas picture on the beach. What could move someone? And, and, and if you're in your 40s now, I want to ask you this question. What could move someone when you're 41 years old and you're in a great position and you have great friends and great relationships and, and job security and everything's growing? And you're living in a place where you take your Christmas picture on the beach. How do you go to that? You know, even people in New York City say, man, Syracuse, you guys, it's cold up there. You get a lot of snow. Like if you had someone from Florida, Manhattan, that's way too cold. But you guys are like, this is nothing. Have you heard about Syracuse? When my wife and I got there in February 2015, it was the coldest February Syracuse had on record. It was the longest amount of time on record that there was more than three feet of snow. The longest amount of time that there was more than two feet of snow. Look, those, those records might not meet, but it's, this is in Syracuse ever. It snowed on Mother's Day that year. I got some reports. Hey, it snowed a little bit yesterday. Like, what? It snowed on Mother's Day the first year we got there. That was May 8th. Look, our lives should be more than warm weather and palm trees and retiring in Florida. Child and I felt like we had training. We'd led small groups. We'd led larger groups. We got some training from a brother here was, who was definitely had all the qualifications uh, to be an elder. He was an evangelist, a teacher in the kingdom. We were back on staff there and, uh, and things were going great. But the spirit kept putting on my heart. Are you, are you still living for the kingdom? Do you have everything you want? Or are you searching for everything I want? And we got the call to interview and think about moving to Syracuse. And I thought, how can I not leave the security we have when I saw what the church there was going through and what the possibilities were there? And I just thought, man, God has sent us to all these places for all these things, not so we can be happy the rest of our lives in Tampa, Florida. But so we can seek his kingdom. 
All the other stuff will come back around. We got to seek first God's kingdom. And it's been a great time there. We've seen some great things happen. We have some, we've had some awesome baptisms there and, uh, and some great stories. And uh, it's been an incredible time. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things I'm most excited about in Syracuse is uh, these three couples right here. Uh, in 2006, uh, the, the brother who was leading the church there in Syracuse left and took them to a different family of churches. And then just a small number were left with our fellowship of churches in the ICOC here. And uh, these three couples uh, in the last couple years have come over to uh, the, uh, the Syracuse Regional Church of Christ. And they're a great, a great bunch here. This uh, Barbara and, uh, and her husband, Dave Root. And uh, another couple, uh, Kirk and Judy Lipton, and their son, Zach, who's also a disciple. Uh, And then the couple there in the pumpkin patch, Joe and Sybil and Tenny, uh, have come over and joined us and just been great givers and uh, and been uh, loving and kind. But, man, they needed someone who had some experience and some background and uh, and some uh, stability and and the length of time we had in marriage to get them through changing over from the family they had had for 20 years to going to where they felt God was leading them to go. That was a lot of work, but it was so worth it to have those guys. And this couple here, uh, Kelly and Dale Stocks here. Kelly actually was uh, baptized in Naples, Italy, in the group that we led over there and uh, was married there and came back to the States and uh, sadly ended up getting a divorce from her first husband and had remarried here with Dale. And their marriage was on its way out. And Kelly saw us on Facebook and said, hey, I want to go and meet with you guys. And she came along. And Dale eventually came along and he started studying the Bible and he got baptized and Kelly got restored. What? That was awesome. Like, who would think that we had a church of nine people in Naples? We have lived all this life and moved to Syracuse and someone from Naples gets restored and her marriage is put back together. That's where we are right now. So JC is sharing about um, how we've been married 24 years. Uh, this June 29th, it'll be 24 years. And our move to Syracuse was our 13th move. We were in Tampa the longest. We were in Tampa 10 years. Um, the boys were 1 and 3 when we moved there from Miami. And when we moved to Syracuse, they were 11 and 13. It's kind of crazy. I did not want to leave Tampa. Um, I had fantastic relationships there. The boys... Um, had great relationships that I helped cultivate through the years, and I was looking forward to seeing them um, in the teen ministry, which was growing. I knew their school. I knew their principal. I knew the teachers. I knew everybody. had been there for a while, and I just was so happy to be in one place. I thought, this is it. I'm not moving anymore. Um, but when JC approached me about you know, possibly entertaining this move to Syracuse, I flatly said no. Um, he was like at 200% there, and I was negative. <laughs> um, after many months of praying, crying, fasting, um, and a couple visits to Syracuse, um, he made it very, God made it very clear that we needed to, uh, to go there and serve and lead that group. He even picked my home, which is just another incredible story. But I want to share with you, um, so what you're seeing there is a picture of the three boys in the snow, as uh, Juan and Mario and Steve, Juan became the only teen in the teen ministry. Teens. He went from a teen ministry to him being the teen ministry. And the other boys were 11. That was really hard for me um, as a mom. Uh, working for so many years in Tampa to build up all those relationships to those three boys, which we helped build. 
And now that is the teen ministry. There are seven teens there, and three of those are disciples, which is really exciting. Um, And when I first moved here, um, one of the things that I did, not only building relationships in Syracuse, is build with the leaders here in the New York City um, regions. And I got close to Leslie Garrison. Some of you know Leslie in, in Brooklyn. And I remember one of the first conversations Leslie had with me. She said, Shyla, you need to pray to convert a family with children the same age as yours. And I was like, yes, that sounds awesome. And my heart was like, yeah, right. Like, that's going to happen. I was so faithless. I had a really difficult time transitioning. Um, But when we moved there, February of 2015, Juan was in the middle of his eighth grade year. So you can imagine how hard that was for him to transition. And Mario was in fifth grade. And Juan immediately joined the track team. And his first meet was in April, just a couple months later. And it was at that first meet that I met a little girl and his mom, who also had an eighth grader running on the track. And um, this mom was Michelle. And I reached out to her, got lunch with her, spent time with her. A few meets later, JC met her husband, Mike. And we started building a relationship with Mike and Michelle. And at one point, Juan invited their daughter, Meg, um, to church. And once the family started coming out to church more regularly, we started studying the Bible more regularly. It's very difficult to study with a family. They had three children, one on the way to college, one in elementary school, and then Meg, who was in 10th grade at that time. Um, They both had full-time jobs. Um, Their kids are in activities. Michelle's mom came down with cancer during those years of, of us studying with them, and Mike's mom died. So a lot of life is happening, and we're studying with this family over the course of three years before we got to bring them into the kingdom of God. You'll see a picture um, actually, Dania and our audience studied the Bible with Meg and baptized her, which was just, it was just amazing to see this family and see how God answered this prayer that I prayed faithlessly. And God did help us bring in a family with kids that were our age. It was just amazing. That was just, Leslie just, hey, you should pray this, you know. And even in my faithlessness, God answered that prayer. It was amazing. Um, seeking the kingdom first is hard, but it's worth it. And it's worth it for Mike and Michelle and Meg and their family. Um, the other victory that was huge for us is my son, Juan, who um, studied the Bible there with the brothers and was baptized um, in July of 2017. There, that, That's a water, a bit of water. It's, it's a reservoir behind our house. That's just incredible. Um, but that was just... You know, for me, in my heart, like I said, I was leaving a thriving teen ministry to just him. And it, it was, it took a lot of faith. And I think for me, the, the thing I tell people is moving to Syracuse made me live on the edge of my faith. Yeah. And I believe that Juan and Mario have seen that in both JC and I. That we don't just say that we're disciples, we are disciples. We don't just go to church, we live the life of, of a Christian. And I hope that my kids always see that and desire um, to live that life as well. Let me ask you, where are you now? So you found this great treasure, this valuable pearl. Are you still personally seeking first his kingdom? The world is calling, and actually when you have kids and family, it, it's louder. Because <laughs> you need more security. Because you got more people depending on you. Whether you're a man or, or a woman, it's calling. Maybe you're just starting out. Hey, I, I want to make it in 
New York. If I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. If I can just get this other gig and more gigs that take me away from the body. I can invest more time so I can make it. If you're an older disciple, more mature disciple, whatever you like. Been a disciple 25 or 30 years. Like, hey, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm ready to rest. Somebody here that's been a disciple 25 years saw that picture of us doing Christmas on the beach and said, can, can that brother contact somebody for me? Because that looked pretty good. Wherever you are, you have so much to offer the kingdom. I don't know what part you're playing here in the Big Apple. Where there are, you know, I think about half a million in this Onondaga County, central New York area. And just looking up some numbers. Two million that live in this area alone, Manhattan. Monday through Friday, four million people are around these parts. So let me ask you, are you playing your part? But let me ask you also this. Are you simply playing a part? Are you seeking first his kingdom? You know, special missions is amazing. I've been a disciple 22 years. I've been 22 years special mission. We're actually doing special missions in Syracuse next Sunday. We do special missions even though you guys give to us because we, we don't want you giving us everything. <laughs> we want to do our part as well. I love New York. I've enjoyed my time here. We had some incredible Indian food. There's a place called the Donut Plant. If you've never been to the Donut Plant, you got to go. But maybe like me, God is putting on your heart to step out on faith. Is Matthew 6.33 still your heart? John and Arlene aren't here right now, so I'm going to just say this. Maybe it's on your heart to come up to Syracuse and help us. Convert some people at Syracuse University. I know, I know Al is here. I know Elder Al Baker is here, but I'm just going to throw it up there. You know, we got some great people here in New York City from, from, from my wife said, talk to your discipling partner and get some advice. Shh. <laughs> Look, we, we, need, we, we need help. We need your prayers. We need your missions. If it's on your heart and you want to do something, I always tell people, yeah, people want to go on a one-year challenge to Hawaii. Let me sacrifice for Jesus. What do they need in Jamaica? Lord, let me pray and fast. Should I go to Jamaica? Mm. Help me, Lord. Let me go talk to the evangelist. I need to go on a one-year challenge. I want to go to the mountains. I always joke with one of the brothers up in Buffalo. Yeah, people ain't knocking down the doors to come up to Syracuse. They've heard some things. We, we do want your prayers, though, because, you know, as much as we need help up there, the New York City church also needs more Brias and Dominiques and Taiwos and Kendes and Danias and Escobars. Help us help you, New York City church. But seriously, let's get rid of the world's idea of needs and comforts and seek first the kingdom. We found it. We're seeking it together. So what more can we do? Get ready to close out here, which is a pretty good time. Where are we going? Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is 
within you. That sounds kind of new agey, right? Is within you. If you were to read a more literal translation uh, of the Greek there, like the NASB or the Revised Standard Version, it would say in your midst. Wait, what's Jesus saying? The kingdom of heaven, Pharisees, is right here in front of you. It's, it's my disciples. It's those who make me Lord, who make me their king. But the Pharisees, they were so close to the kingdom of heaven, but they didn't respond by faith and make him Lord. They instead crucified him. Where are we going in Syracuse? I don't exactly know. But we're going hard to make people understand the love that God has for them and make Jesus the king. We want more of the kingdom in Syracuse. We've had some great plans in the last four years and the, the, the church has grown. I mean, uh, the one on the, uh, I don't know what side that is, the one on that side right there. That's when we first got to Syracuse. And that's, uh, that's our last apple uh, picking service. It was great. We, we've loved it. Uh, we've been given more missions. And last year we had a generous brother who financed a, uh, an intern for us. We have David Tabbing from over in New Jersey who's come up. And uh, in the fall, he reached out to over 4,000 people just by his onesie there. And uh, he's been working really hard. And today he's baptizing a junior from Syracuse University right behind our house. That's where our plan is right now to dump as much as we can into Syracuse University and campus ministry over the next months and year. I don't know what your plan is. I don't know where God's going to take us. I don't know what God's going to do. But I love this quote. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. If you've already projected from a spreadsheet where everything is going to go, that's great to have a plan. But that's not necessarily having faith. Because when your plans fall apart, that's where God swoops in and takes you where you're supposed to go. I don't know where you're supposed to go. But I know in Syracuse, with your prayers and your help, we're going to keep moving and keep walking up those steps together. JC asked the question, what's next? I have no idea. Um, but what I do know is that I need to be surrendered. Um, honestly, I'm listening to this sermon and, and the scriptures are for me. Um, I'm just thinking about if I could be real for a moment. It has been a very hard 2019 for me. Um, and, you know, he's sharing these pictures. And in Syracuse, when we first moved, there was 25 disciples. At present, it's 33 disciples. Um, we've had a lot of people move out. Bria, Dania, <laughs> Dominique. Because <laughs> you're beautiful and I love it. But it has been challenging. Uh, we have, since being there, we've baptized and restored 21 people. And we've had 31 move outs. Yeah, it's hard. I have planned many a bridal shower, baby shower, potlucks, birthdays, graduations. But the send-off parties are the hardest. I feel like I've had one a month the last five months. It's been such a challenging, rough start for us. And just a few weeks ago, JC's mom passed March 22nd, which was a huge shock for us. So we're just kind of reeling and going through the emotions of transition. And, and, you know, it's tough being away from family when you go through that loss. It's actually the third loss um, in our family combined. And we've had to go down to Georgia and Florida to see them. It is hard being in the kingdom and being away and being on a mission. 
Um, and I just think about how I've got to be surrendered to God. I still have to seek the kingdom first. I've got to put on my armor, read my Bible, pray fast to win souls for God. This isn't about Syracuse, though. It's not about Tampa. It's about the kingdom of God. And seeking first the kingdom is a joy and a struggle. And if you are not feeling that, then you've got to ask yourself, are you in the fight? It is hard to be in the fight. This is why we need each other. This is why we worship together. This is why we meet up. This is the family of God, the kingdom that he gave us here while on earth. It's what he died for. I think about the scripture in Isaiah 14. It says, surely as I have planned, so it will be. As I have purposed, so it will stand. For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? His hands are stretched out, and who can turn it back? I trust God, and I'm surrendered to him. I want to go to heaven. I I don't know exactly what's next, but his plans can't be thwarted. And I'm a part of that plan. That comforts me, and it helps me to be surrendered. So we're preparing to take communion together. Let's consider our spiritual journey. For us who are disciples of Jesus, we stumbled upon or searched for and found the kingdom. And we saw what Jesus did for us and we had the right response. We gave up everything. I want to challenge our hearts and just ask you in everything you do to continue to seek it. In huge ways and small ways, Satan in the world wants to pull you back in. All of us, whether you're been married 20 years or you're a single person and you've just become a disciple, we will get to a point where we feel like we're missing out, right? There's that FOMO thing. We could be doing this or we could be doing that or, oh, special missions. I could do this with my finances instead. The kingdom's worth it. Don't seek security and comfort, but set apart Christ as your Lord. Until this human journey ends, Let's all make a decision to live it by faith. Faith in a king and a kingdom that will never fail. Because it was Jesus, and it is Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone, who's the very foundation. It was his love and sacrifice that purchased for us this great adventure that we get to be on. It was his body torn for us and his blood spilled for us. He's meant to be our first and greatest motivation on this spiritual journey. Let's bow our heads as we remember him. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we're able to be on this journey together. God, I'm so personally grateful to be on this journey with my wife, Shyla. I thank you for the support of the New York City Church and all they do with special missions and and just loving. I always feel their love. When I'm up in Syracuse, whether it's John or Phil or Jim Brown on the phone, just calling to encourage and support. But Father, none of those things would be here if it wasn't for your son, Jesus, dying, not only to give us salvation. That's a crazy thing (laughs) that he died to offer us salvation, to make atonement for our sins. But also in doing so, he's given us this journey that we can be on together In his kingdom and in his kingdom as a church. 
Father, it's right now that we remember him. We wouldn't be together in this beautiful facility, all of us from different walks of life, different cultures, different ages, different stages. If we didn't all believe that it was Jesus who shed his blood and who calls us to live as he lived and to live that life, not just as an individual, but as a collective of individuals following, following him, making him Lord because of his sacrifice to purchase us, to give us all that we have. In his name we pray. Amen.